1991, I was the recipient of the ever so loving nickname, Tia Talk A Lot. Now, this could have stunted my extroverted self, but instead I embraced that name like it was my job. Almost 30 years later, that name still rings true. Here's the deal though, I actually really love to listen too. Someone once joked that this only happens on Tuesdays though. Now, I don't want to disappoint your expectations of the show, so we won't veer off too often, but on occasion, you will hear from people other than myself. This episode happens to be one of those. Well, hello, everybody. Today, I have a guest on the show, and not just any guest, but one of my very best friends in the entire world, Tracy Winsdiving. She popped into my life um, just about when I moved to Hudson, Wisconsin, now almost eight years ago, which is kind of crazy. I feel like we've been friends for like decades, and um, but it's only been eight years, <laughs> which is just kind of mind boggling. So um, I asked Tracy to be on the show because honestly, we share um, so many of the same thoughts as far as business, uh, but she also has just a whole another pile of information and knowledge. And I think I said brilliance when I text you, uh, that I wanted you to share with the world or just, you know, the hundred people listening to this episode, on this podcast, it's going to just explode. It's going to go viral. It's absolutely going viral. It is. It absolutely is. I love it. So we should have probably hit record 26 minutes ago, uh, because we just started in on all the conversations. You probably, you actually couldn't have heard all of them, but, um, we did start in on a few things. And one of the things that we were talking about, um, well, Tracy's business, of course, so you can kind of give a little bit of an idea of what it is you do, not just be Tina's best friend. Um, <laughs> but, and then we can kind of go in, we can go from there. So if you want to just share with everyone, what does Tracy do? Well, um, <laughs> I, I always explain myself as multi-passionate because I have a lot of passion and I kind of just channel it in a couple different areas, but really the biggest thing I do is I am a coach and I do speaking and training. I work with individuals, um, helping them get unstuck and move forward, whether it be in their personal or professional life, um, just living a little bit more radically. I think we are all called to live our best life. And so often we get stuck and we don't do that. So for me, in whatever avenue, whether it's a personal or professional thing, um, my goal is to help people live their best life or what I call a front row life. Um, we just, we don't want to sit in the back row. We don't want to sit in the middle. We want to sit in the front row, um, the best seats. And so, um, I also have a, I have a, a deep love for Jesus. And so there's a, um, my business is also based off a, a scripture verse where, um, it, Jesus says that he's come so that we would have life and live it to the fullest and really experiencing heaven on this side of eternity. And what a great way to live is just living in the blessings and the happiness and the joy, um, that I believe is offered to us. So that is what I get to do is help people live their best life. So it is not a bad gig. I love it. So I don't know that I've ever really asked you this question, so I'll be totally putting you on the spot, but over the last few years, what do you feel like is like the biggest thing that has changed for people as you're coaching them? I mean, I know that there's stats all out there of like, you know, people being kind of in, you know, hiding or, you know, um, feeling even probably more stuck, but anxiety and depression and all of this stuff, like how has that showed up in coaching sessions with you? It showed up 
like kind of everywhere. And for, for me, um, I have a counseling degree. My master's is in counseling and there's been such a gift that I get to just see people and hear, um, where the heaviness of life is keeping them from moving forward in either their business or their relationships or friendships. Um, there's been, there's been so much. And I think we are coming out of some of it, but things are still heavy. Um, and we also get kind of used to being heavy. Yeah, like we get so used true. to waiting for the other shoe to drop. So learning how to transition and seek joy over other things has been a big part of it. But yeah, I have seen way more anxiety, way more isolation, way more um, insecurity, I think. Mm really across the board from like some really powerful people that are, you know, presidents and CEOs and high level earners and just the confidence that this, this isolation and un, unknowns in our world has done to people of all levels. And I think we, yeah. we think sometimes there are people that are exempt from it and they're not, they're not. Right. Well, I've talked a lot about confidence recently on the podcast. I, I walked everyone through uh, contagiously confident and, yeah. you know, one of the things that I feel it didn't, I didn't totally touch on this, but I feel like it was kind of overarching is that, you know, within the things that I was teaching with that is if you kind of, I guess you're deciding basically what your life will be like, like you're making decisions. Right. And, and that is truly the only way that there's not a lot of unknown and, yeah. and, and trying to uh, not, I guess I, not like really rest in that. Like I, Oh, I can't control this. Or what if this price increases or what if this job is lost or this, you know, it's kind of like the worry. Right. And yeah. when we, when we step into like that idea of like, oh, okay, stepping into all of that unknown stuff, if we just sit there always, like I, I could go back to like one of the very first days as our world was shut down and I went on a hike with Preston and it was like, we were just laying there and I'm like, I don't even know what I can look forward to. Like, and because there was so much I felt restricted from, well, now we're not quite in that world anymore. But like you said, I think people may still feel like, oh, but, but I feel that way. Like I'm, yeah. I still feel like I'm in that same spot. So I think it's a space of being, we got to learn to be tender with ourselves because nothing has felt tender in these last two years. And we lost the ability because we were in survival and whether or not, I mean, I don't, I don't really care. I I've played pretty neutral in all this stuff um, because that's how I feel about it. Um, I just want to love you where you're at, mm -hmm. but whether you've been really affected and isolated or you've been like, it's fine, I'm going out, you know, whatever the level is, it's, it's been a big adjustment no matter what. Um, mm -hmm whether you powered through or not, there are a lot of people that powered through during this time that now all of a sudden, as the world has opened back up, as freedoms are back, you know, and yeah. we're not quite as, um, on high alert, they're all of a sudden like, well, I've been living at this high level. Now, what do I do? Cause you can't, can't sustain it. So yeah. I think, it's, I think it's just being tender with ourselves and each other because there's, there's enough hurt. And I just hope is, um, hope is what we need right now. And I think that that comes in so many things like where I'm at and you're at in Wisconsin, 
hope today is that there's sunshine and there's going to be, <laughs> we had a robin on our deck today. He's mad because we put stuff up underneath it. So we can't build, she probably um, build the nest. <laughs> I don't think boy robins are building in the nest. <laughs> anyway, maybe they are. I don't really know. I, I guess I'll research a little robin um, <laughs> after this. But, and I was like, I was like, aha, you can't build the nest. And then I was like, wait, there's a robin. <laughs> like yeah. it was the joy I've had in weeks. I was like, oh, praise all that's holy. We're going to, we're going to find spring. We We're are. We find are. Spring. You know, that like analogy, I mean, of spring, I think about, yes, did we all as a world go through a really hard time in the last couple of years for sure. But as you were talking about the shoe dropping, it brought me back to my marriage. And I remember the feelings and, and Tracy, for those of you that don't know, Tracy walked through that journey with me, like hand in hand, like every step of the way. And I mean, really guided me and listened to me cry and all the things. And I remember the feeling of waiting for the other shoe to drop once it started to get good. And I was like, wait, but where is there more? Or it it's dropped every other time. How is it not dropping again? And it took me, I don't even know. I mean, it took me a long time to not feel like I was always kind of looking over my shoulder to be like, oh, life can't be really this good. Like, yeah, something wrong is going to happen. And I think that that's something even as, you know, like what we basically jumped into, you know, to say, Hey, we went through all this crap as a world. Right. And we're probably all still looking like, Oh, what's now going to happen or what, you know, theory well, has for two there. years. I mean, we, we were all living in a giant shoe closet. Like we were at DSW. <laughs> there were so many shoes dropping every day. We'd be like, wait, what? No, I thought we were out of shoes. Yeah. <laughs> we live in DSW because there are shoes everywhere to drop. I don't know. That is probably not my best analogy, but yeah, if, it made me laugh. So me, I will always, my, um, my coaching clients laugh because they're like, Oh, there it is. She always has to have some kind of a random analogy. So <laughs> I will always find a way to say something random. <laughs> so, and now Tracy's next DSW. talk on the stage is going to be about shoes dropping rather than what's yeah. on your plate or what. Yes. No, but I think too, in all this, um, learning how to step into joy and hope and choosing it. It is an active thing. And for, for all of us, it, it doesn't matter. You know, we are coming out of a pandemic, but um, I think it's officially called an endemic now. It's just, here. Oh. you know, um, I think the stuff I've seen is it, it's here. It's, it's like influenza. It's going to be here. It's going to be a part of us, but it's not at a pandemic level anymore where it's that threat, which I am grateful for. Um, Cause I know how to navigate influenza. Um, but right. I, I'm like, so now I think I got this, but yeah. I think too, um, it's just choosing joy, choosing the positive, choosing to shut things down, choosing not to jump on our phones in the first thing in the morning, whether that's Facebook or, you know, um, social media or our emails or news or investments, just don't look at your investments right now. That's probably another good choose That's joy. <laughs> just We're stay just away. Depressed after this. Right. Now. So again, it's just choosing things, choosing to put things in our mind that mm -hmm. elevate versus eliminate joy. And that is, that is so powerful when we choose it, because that also does some wiring in our brain that is so powerful. It just, you, you can't deny that. And it's, you're going to feel that way the rest of the day. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, this is kind of an interesting analogy a little bit too, or just kind of idea um, 
for those of you that don't know, Tracy and I also do doTERRA together. And I was just discussing the other day with another leader that, you know, a primary part of our business was people coming to events and like, you know, that's how we filled seats and that's how we, in, you know, enrolled people, got people to get a membership, you know, all of that. And as much as I want to say that, that like, you know, people coming to classes is so joyful and people want to, you know, learn these things. I feel like part of the last couple of years is people made a decision that like, I'm going to make sure that everything I choose, like nothing is going on my calendar, calendar randomly. And (laughs) You know, when we maybe used to have 20 people at an oil class, you know, if we have two, we're really excited. I mean, and I know that sounds really sad, but it's, it's really, we're having to position things differently. Right. And I, I get it. Like, do I want to show up at a, you know, cookware uh, party or do I want to hang out with my kids? Like, you know, and I'm no bashing and no, like, it's just like, we have to be more creative. There has to be different things in different ways that we run our businesses or we put on events in general. I mean, I think that that's huge, a huge part of, you know, the joy factor in this is like, does this actually bring me joy or am I doing this out of obligation? And I hate to like throw my own business kind of underneath the bus in that story, but it it is a reality that I want to make sure if, if I'm creating something, if I'm putting something out there, um, that I know that it will actually give people joy. And so, and they're making that decision if it's a yes or a no, right? That's been, that's probably been the biggest transition for me in this last, well, year. Um, I recently, um, I know you're on a podcast, so you can't see how young I actually look, but (laughs) (laughs) all this, all this, um, but I turned 50 in December and it has completely, it's been a big mindset shift. And I know it was happening before I turned 50, um, but ushering in a new decade, I think all the decades have been, um, they've been something, but for me, when I, when I turned 20, um, my dad unexpectedly passed away. So that decade was a lot of grief and trying to figure out who I was as a young adult and just moving across the country to figure it out and then moving back. And, you know, I just, a lot of hodgepodge. And by the time I was 30, I kind of thought I'd have, have it all. I would know and I'd be married and I wasn't. So I was, that was the different transition. And then by 40, I was married and I was in toddler jail. I started my family way later than a lot of people. And so I didn't really think about 40, like 40. I don't even really remember the, the, you know, beginning parts of that decade because you're just consumed with littles and diapers and, you know, picking up a million things a day, because I don't know how toys just like reproduce. I think (laughs) (laughs) for every mom out there, you're just like, who bought all these? This is ridiculous. (laughs) Where do these toys come from? (laughs) And, but so turning 50 for me is, has been this like whole journey of all of a sudden it's like, wow, what do I want this next decade to be? What do I want my business to be? What do I want to put all my effort and time into, and, and maybe some of that comes out of a pandemic, you know, I guess there better be some positives, right? There better be positives <laughs> out of this sucker so many positives. Um, and taking time to really reflect and, and see who you are. And I think for me, if it's not a heck yeah, it, mm-hmm. or it, it's a no, like there, there's just no in between right now. And, um, years ago, I believe actually it was at your conference or at some women's business bridge or something we went to, um, I heard Dr. Verna Price talk about 
people that are adders, suppliers, multipliers, and dividers yeah. in their life. And that has stuck with me forever, but it has never been so prevalent as right now. If something subtracts from me, my time, my energy, yeah. my passion, it is a no, it is a no. And sometimes that's a person like, mm-hmm. and we all know that person, we get off the phone and we're like, I'm exhausted. Like you just like, I love you, but you, you drain me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. I want the heck. Yeah. I want the things that add and multiply and grow and flourish. And I'm still developing all that as to what that totally looks like. But what I know it looks like is in how I empower people, how I empower my family. I'm raising three girls. Well, actually one has grown. Um, my bonus daughter has grown and, and um, living her best life as a young adult with her first job out of college and um, moved down South. And so all those things are, are really amazing to watch how um, just the yeses, like, and to watch her, like I wasn't, I did move to Arizona, but only for a short time because I came back to where it was safe. And she, she just already has jumped into the heck. Yeah. She's like, I'm going, this yeah. is an adventure. And I love that. I, I love that bravery. And so I want to be more brave. I want I don't want to look back on this next decade and when I'm turning 60 and think, oh, I, I should have, there, there won't be any should shoulds, there won't be should or could have, there's only going to be the heck yes. And not that life is, you know, one roller coaster adventure, but it, it is, well, maybe actually it is (laughs) the ups (laughs) and downs, but, (laughs) um, I think it just, for me, it's so powerful to think about really just aligning all my passions and going for it. Yeah. Well, I know before we hit the record button, you know, you were explaining to me a little bit about the phase of 50 and I was like, you know what? I actually feel like I hit that at 40. And then it, we both were like, well, yeah, cause I had littles at 40 or at 30, you had them at 40. And so it was like really kind of similar, you know, and just hitting 40 last year, you know, it was really similar in that way. Like, I just don't really care as much of what people think about my decisions. Not that I have, but even, <laughs> even more vocally, probably. Um, it was just a really big shift for me. But I also think too, a big part of that is raising kids yeah. and seeing them starting to make decisions, you know, that aren't based on you, which is just kind of wild. I mean, especially you're way beyond because you have one actually out of the house, but I was reading an article that talked about, you know, us being like the holdovers, like we are like helping them, you know, transition into like their real, you know, their actual life. And, you know, it was just a kind of a description of, especially with boys, you know, like going on and like having a wife and like, you're not the most important woman in their life. And it was just this really interesting idea and concept that I was like, you're right. Like this isn't their, you know, forever, right? Like our home is not there forever. And I know that sounds so obvious, but it was just like, hit me really hard. That it's like, yeah, we are kind of your like holdover, like this is- I know. I think, I think, um, I've said this uh, about our oldest that you, you pray over them and you, you know, you help them step into their gifts and strengths and you nurture that for so many years. And you, you really raise them to spread their wings and fly. Mm-hmm. But then when they do it, it is ridiculous. Like you think you're going to move across the country and you're going to leave us and you're going to live your dreams. What? Who told what? you you could do that? And you're like, yeah. Oh, wait, 
we did. And our oldest has four parents that have invested that in her. So she's like, I am flying. (laughs) And so I, you know, and I hope that my girls do the same. I would like them to stay in a closer radius, (laughs) (laughs) but, but you know what, that's, that's the best. That's up to them. I know I've been, I've been beating that into my children as well. Like, don't you want to live in like our basement? Like mom, no, actually I have a youngest that actually would consider that. So I (laughs) I do not. Is it a youngest thing? I think it's yeah. I know we we joke this is probably inappropriate and she can't listen to this, but we always call her our wedgie because she's always just stuck stuck right up to you. (laughs) We're always like, oh, you're such a little wedgie. Can you just scoot over a tiny bit? (laughs) So I think she's a hundred percent content with uh going to maybe we should joke about that around Brindley because she'll uh (laughs) be like, really? Can I can I stay? (laughs) Yeah. She, she knows we call her that because she'll yeah. hear us sometimes, <laughs> but yeah, uh, she, okay. she has, she has dreams of going to the college that's right up the road, um, river falls. And that's actually where her dad went, but he didn't grow up here. Um, or Arizona. So, I mean, she's, she's, she's up in the air right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's one or the other. So she's 12. She's got some time. She has time to think on it. No, I love that. Yeah. Okay. So plans for 50. I know that you, you kind of had like a little bit of a, maybe even checklist, like things that you wanted to do or accomplish or like do in your, this whole century. <laughs> century? I mean, decade. <laughs> I'm so going to live to 150. I'm a homeschool teacher, you guys. Century, wow. Decade. We actually were just talking about that. that. We should maybe work on that. We were teaching. I was teaching it the right way. Yeah. I think it's truly just stepping into purpose and passion. And my purpose is that people know who they are. They know, they know what makes them tick, what ticks them off, their gifts, their, the, their uniqueness. Mm -hmm. That is, um, that is always my favorite space. And being able to launch that, but also for me, I'm, I've, I've talked about this for a handful of years. Um, I believe in girls leadership. Mm-hmm. I believe in the connection between um, mothers and daughters and this space of girls leadership. So in this next decade, um, you are going to see some fun stuff that is going to be created for moms and daughters because those teenage years and even the younger, because um, many years ago as a youth pastor, when I was talking to parents and they would say things like, I can't get my teenager to talk to me and I don't know what's going on. They're not talking. Well, part of that's being teenagers, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because they want to talk with their friends, but I would say, well, what's different from when they were little, how did you talk to them? And they'd be like, well, we didn't really talk because we were running in between things and we're literally going through McDonald's to get food because they're onto this next adventure. You know, they have this activity and that, and our kids are many times very overscheduled. And, and I just remember at that time before I had kids thinking to myself, that will never be me. Well, we say those things, right. And then it does happen, but, but helping parents and helping moms and daughters and young girls learn how to express themselves, how to take a stand. So this is a passion project that has been in the works and I just recently got a grant. And so I've been spending um, weekly time writing and creating and things that I've just hadn't made time for. And I was like, I'm 50. This girl's leadership is so important to me that I am not, I'm not putting it on the back burner anymore. And it's been really fun and eye-opening for all the 
ideas how to hone it in. So I need to create a, a tribe around me now to rein me in. <laughs> so yeah. that will help me. But um, that really, I think this next decade is really, um, I can still be multi-passionate, but I really want to hone in and, and just uh, as much as possible operate in my zone of genius. And that is elevating people and, and helping them be their best self. And I love being a part of that process. I always call it my coaching or counseling high, um, with the breakthroughs and the ahas and nothing is better for, I, um, I always want to be the girl that's invited on girls weekends and the, the fun, cause I can be a good life of the party, but if I have to pick, I will always walk through things with you over that. That's who I've always been. And, and I finally stepped into that even further. And so I think that's what 50 is going to bring is just me operating in this, this sweet spot um, yeah. because I'm not compromising and I've had to just because of life and jobs and things, but I don't have to compromise anymore because I'm in a better place, more stable that I can um, invest in this new space. Yeah. more fully or old space, but more fully. Yeah. That was a I long that. answer to a question. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and just, you have taught me so much just about, you know, being a mom and I know we're kind of hand in hand, kids are similar ages, uh, but just in guiding me in different things, you know, with my kids and something recently that you said to me was go on a trip with your daughter. And so would you just share a little bit about like your experience with Ava and you guys uh, in time to do uh, a trip? Yeah, we, we so pause one second. Tracy has two daughters that are really similar in age. So one that's gone and then two that are like back to back. Yeah. They're back to back grades. Um, and so they're, um, they're little, like always together. <laughs> yeah. They're, well, and that would be one of my, oh gosh, you, I just opening this daughter or like sister thing, but in COVID, um, when we were on lockdown, I happened to see again, Brinley can't listen to this. <laughs> I happened to read Brinley's little notebook. I had him keep a notebook, um, through COVID about just different things they were experiencing and about what it was like. Um, because I, I was like, you don't want to remember this the way a textbook is going to tell you someday, you know, like I want you to remember the really cool parts about our family being home. And, um, their big sister was in college at the time and came home for a big extended amount of time and brought her cat with her. And that, even though I'm not a cat person, that cat was such a blessing because when they were stressed out in those first weeks, they would just hold that cat and it was like cat therapy. So I'll always be grateful for so many things of this, of how we slowed down but one of them Brinley had written in her little journal was friends during COVID. And it said, none. Well, my sister, she's my best friend. And she's the only friend I'm allowed to hang out with. <laughs> so, <it had laughs> And then it's like qualities of my best friend. And she wrote it all out and I loved it. It was Aww. so sweet. Um, so the sister time, and then we just did spring break um, visiting their big sister. And for the first time um, there's 11 and um, like a little over nine, nine and a half years distance between our girls. And for the first time, they have all these inside jokes for the first time. Um, they actually stayed at the apartment with Sid and my husband and I went, um, back to the hotel by ourselves. It was actually a great spring break because we had, we had actually a little bit of vacation. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> so, um, but that being said, I, I believe that 
mother-daughter relationship or the sister relationship or siblings, you know, that they're all really important, but um, we do a trip when you turn 13, a mother-daughter trip, and they get to plan it and within reason, um, obviously, <laughs> but it is literally a yes trip. It is, it is, yes, yes, we'll get up and watch the sunrise. Yes, we'll hike this. Yes, you can have French fries and an ice cream sundae for breakfast. I don't care. Um, but also in that is, is built in intentional conversation time about who you are as a young woman, who, what you believe, what you, um, what you struggle with. And, but they're awesome because there's no distractions. There's adventure, there's meals, there's coffees, there's, um, when you're going to a new place, like Ava's still so proud of her navigation skills because I was driving in a new place and yes, we have GPS, but I made her type it in. I made her tell me when we were going because it bonded us. And we still laugh about when, you know, we needed to go to a Walmart and we drove like 35 minutes to find this Walmart, but she didn't know that it was a market. So it was just a grocery store and we needed no groceries. We only needed stuff from like, we couldn't find the target. We couldn't find. And so we're like, Oh, Walmart. But if I would have seen it, I would have known. Right. But she learned this whole lesson, you know, and it was, it was funny, but it was, I mean, not cause she had a really bad sunburn. So we needed to get some stuff. <laughs> we needed aloe and we needed a swim shirt. Um, but again, it just, the opportunity to just be one-on-one and to listen to them and create your own jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff has sustained us, you know, she'll, she's 14 and a half and um, that sustained us in some, you know, kids are hard sometimes and yeah. having that bond, it created it. So whether you do it at 13, um, we had, we, Tina and I have a mutual friend, um, Sherry, they take their, they call them their bigs. Um, they're big kids when they're in high school, mom and dad take them on a trip, just them. Um, and they go somewhere adventuring. Um, uh, we took our oldest, we did a family trip, um, when she was a senior and she planned it to Charleston. And that's actually where she moved because she fell so in love with Charleston her senior year. Like she wants to go to grad school down there. And it just, I love how that has all created these memories for our family. Um, and people tell you, take your kids on a big trip when they're a senior because they're going to college and they won't go with you. That is literally a lie. They're in college and you're going to take them on a free trip and pay for everything. They're going with you. <laughs> They're going with they're, they're already like they're already asking, like she's like, so where are you going next year for spring break? I'll meet you. Like it's a yeah. free ride. She's adult with her own job. And she's like, I'm going. <laughs> like, yeah. you're not stupid. So yeah. <laughs> definitely. I just take advantage. And I don't care. You don't need to get on an airplane. You can, you can go, you can camp, you can you can kick the rest of your family out if you have to, if the finances and make them go stay with grandma and do a staycation. It doesn't matter. It's just about the one-on-one time and designing it the way you guys want. That's, I think it's probably one of the greatest gifts. I love that. I just love it. Like when you're like, you have to do it, Tina. No, you have to do it. I was like, okay, I'll do it. Oh, I I didn't tell Preslin yet that we have to do it because she'll have it planned in like a heartbeat. But, um, you know, it's been my vision to have my kids in every, you know, all 50 States. And so it just kind of plays not kind of, it totally plays into that. And I love it. Just being intentional with our time, with our kids, we only have so many years and I don't say that in guilt at all. It's just like telling people be intentional about it right now. And yeah. like you said, it doesn't have to cost a ton of money. I mean, now 
my kids and I, we do one date a month or else it doesn't happen. Right. It just Mm -hmm. keeps getting pushed off. So we're like, we do one date a month, it's two hours and they get to choose what we do. So in a sense, it's a little bit of the yes, you know, for that two hours. Mm -hmm. Um, but it also puts some restrictions around it. I don't know who someone else gave me this idea, but you know, in two hours, you don't, you can't really go to the mall of America. You're not going to Valley fair, like an amusement park. You're not going, you know, something major, but you're, you can accomplish quite a bit, you know? So just this last week, Leighton and I did a date and it was like, we ran down, he got a pair, his first pair of Birkenstocks. They just so happened to also fit mom. And (laughs) brilliant. That's when they get the size and kids sizes are are cheaper. So that's, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, and then you know, we grabbed some ice cream and he grabbed a book from target. Like it wasn't, well, it was expensive because he got Birkenstocks, but it was about being together and connecting and, you know, just having that time together. And he'll, he'll remember, he remembers every single one of them. Mom, remember last time we went here? Mom, remember what this time? Yeah. I I think they, if you don't take the time to spend with them, they're not going to know that they need it. And they also, I mean, kind of circle back to that, like, they know they can come to you. They know they can have a conversation with you because that's what I love in the two hour time because it isn't flashy and it isn't distracting from the relationship. And that's the key for me with my girls. Like they're out early today from school. And so they already have, each of them have their little bag and it's already in my car and we do a coffee date and they have these journals and it has prompts and stuff. And they just pick what they want to write about. And we grab coffee because they love free fruit coffee. And then we literally, I'm like, all right, what did you fill out? What did you color? What did you, and then they just get to talk and, and sometimes it's silly and it takes, you know, three minutes, but sometimes it's a little more of a discussion or things about school or friends or whatever just comes up in it. But if our kids don't learn how to talk to us, Mm -hmm. they won't, but also we, we are raising all of us that are raising kids right now. We are raising them I'm getting on a soapbox, sorry, but in a world of technology where they don't know how to communicate or express their emotions. And that is something else. When you say, what do you realize in this time? I realized that we've been behind screens. We've been behind watching TVs. Everybody is telling us how to feel. And it's all, a lot of it's electronic because we've been isolated from each other as adults, but then our kids communicate through Snapchat or through text or through, you know, messenger or whatever it is they don't actually talk. Yeah. They just have snippets. So they don't know how to express or how to feel. And so those two hour dates, they allow us time. Like I would say, you know, you, you kind of blew my theory. I was like, they don't need to cost money. They're a coffee. They're a hike. And you're like Birkenstocks and a book. (laughs) Sorry. No, that is not a budget item. It is a $6 (laughs) coffee. do better, (laughs) do better. I know I need to tell my kids to do the same, but to me a little bit, it was an errand, you know, where it was like, it's not so much like a celebration. Right. But I mean, obviously we made it a special thing because it was during date night, you know, um, not that an errand is Birkenstocks. That sounds so, I know what you mean. It is not like you're spending $125 every date night you're spent, you know, you're doing something together and that's the important part. And yes, there are things where it is a great treat or a fun thing to do. It's something you were going to do anyway, but you just somehow make it seem like such a big event. Right. Um, And I think the more we do that, the more we raise, we raise them to talk to us, but we raise them to be these great humans that can communicate and deal with conflict and 
walk through things versus shying away or shutting down or, you know, especially in a world where there's so much anxiety, those skills help tremendously combat some of that. So, yeah, I absolutely love it. I just have to brag a little bit on Leighton, my son. Uh, They were, Tenley and him were talking about his date that we were doing and, you know, she was starting to like plan her April one. And I'm like, April hasn't started. You're fine. Um, but she was wanting to look at the movies that were out and Leighton said to her, well, why do you want to go to a movie? Then you can't talk to mom. I was like, Oh, bud. like, I just sat there and kept listening to what he was saying. And she's like, well, we still talk a little bit at the movie. You know, she's the people pleaser. <laughs> we still talk a little bit at the movie. Um, of course we do because it's usually empty in the middle of the day. Cause when you have right. school, no one else is there at the movie theater, but, um, yeah. Anyways, I love it. I love being intentional with my kids. I love taking the time. I love being intentional with my friendships. I feel like those have shifted a lot in this time and we don't need to jump into all of that, but it's like really, we, we have to be, I mean, I know you and I will say like, what the heck we have to get this on our calendar or else it just doesn't happen. And before you know it, you know, months have been gone by before, since you've, you know, connected with people that you truly care about. And, and unless it's on the calendar, it's, it's not happening. So, yeah. And I think it's just accepting that, like we go through these seasons that, that where it's busier, we have kids at the age where nobody's driving. So, um, although Ava starts driver's ed, uh, next week. <laughs> so okay. I can't even breathe. Um, we learned this with our oldest, like it is the most terrifying freedom you've ever had when they start driving because yeah, as a parent, you're like, Whoa, but Oh, bless it all. Oh, when they can drive themselves. I mean, it is a party <laughs> like, and drive their siblings even better. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. You know, I, it's crazy because once you're like settled into one phase, another one starts and it's, it's just interesting to us and be like, Oh, this it's always going to change. Everything is always changing. We just have to be totally okay with it and set new intentions and set new kind of guard guardrails and, you know, figure yeah. out all, all the stages. Well, I, like I think, yeah. The other thing I like, this will be my last 50 thing, but, and I've done this many times throughout the years and it's kind of my favorite thing to do, but surrounding myself with people that that are better than me, that are, that are, that are a step ahead so that I'm challenged to grow more or to think different or think bigger, or, um, just to push myself in a really awesome way. Cause when I surround myself with people that are light and hope and, oh man, go getters and people that are taking, elevating everything to the next level, Mm -hmm. I rise to that. And so as I look at what my goals are, what I'm, you know, going to invest in, those are the people that I surround myself with because then, um, I don't want to be a slacker. <laughs> I want to, I want to do things and make a difference. And, you know, cause at the end of the day, the mark I want to leave on people is knowing that they know they were loved and they know that they are awesome and they know who they are and whose they are. Um, mm-hmm. but they are an incredible, um, child of God and, made unique and amazing, unlike anyone else and their gifts that they bring and their passion and their presence in this world is needed. And that if, if I can accomplish that once a day, once a week, once a month, um, whenever it's an opportunity, I'm, I'm living my very best life. Yeah. Goodness. I love this. I love how we went like full circle and back to kids (laughs) and Yeah. Or shoot, we covered it all. 
Um, but we did it. No, awesome. Tracy, thanks for being on the show. I know we could probably talk um, and you could be on the show many, 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 many times. And we should, we should actually do that. We'll see how your first year of 50 is going. I was like, I thought you were going to say, we'll see how many downloads there is, if it was worth it. <laughs> that too, you know, I'm tracking. So Ooh, that's, that's so if it best. doesn't go viral and it only gets nine hits, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Cool. Okay. You guys, I will put, um, links so you can connect with Tracy on, on the web in the show notes. And also as always, I love to carry on the conversation over on the gram. You can find me anywhere at Tina Pettis. We are rounding out 90 days of podcasting, which is like blows my mind. Uh, just a few more days here. And then from there on out, we'll have two podcasts every two episodes of the podcast every single week from there. So thanks for hanging out and we will be back tomorrow on the Tina Talks podcast.